Bodies Club is a monthly podcast that celebrates bodies because we believe that all bodies are cool bodies. This episode was recorded on Tuesday the 7th of May 2019. So, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Do you listen to a podcast? You don't really. Thanks for I thought downloading. you were going to say to me, thanks, thanks for coming for, along. And I was like, well, yeah, that's a whole you know. Point. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of planned it that way. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for downloading. Thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for being here with us. While we um, talk cool bodies. You. You. So I think we're going to approach Where's Your Body At in a little bit of a different way this month because we as a team did a little bit of a challenge. We did. Would you call it a challenge? Well, we all kind of just decided to do it. We just decided, yeah, as a a group that we were going to go dry January, do a dry month, essentially. Yeah, no booze. And and by dry, we mean no alcohol. And we achieved it, didn't we? Yeah. Well, I I do quite like to call it dry-ish, but you know. (laughs) Woo! It's, it's no longer January. And we're drinking And wine. clearly that uh, clink was uh, you know, a bit indicative of the fact we're no longer dry. <laughs> well, I mean, it could have been water, but it's not. It's, it's wine. It's really not. Yeah, dry January. Uh, what have we learned? I, I've learned that now that I have a, one glass of wine, I feel a little bit tipsy. Yeah, this happens. <laughs> I've learned that if you're tired and you drink wine, you're on a downhill spiral. Can you even spiral downhill? I suppose if you're like doing a roly-poly. It's a downward spiral, I think, yeah. is what you're looking for. <laughs> spiral um, holy shit so should we talk about how dry january was for everyone should we do a bit of a round table yes. yeah who wants to go first Gemma. out dry january was absolutely fine and mm. i did i feel i felt good i didn't feel like i was missing anything i realized that drinking makes my body feel toxic surprise everyone yeah. doesn't it it makes you feel like you've got all this toxic blah, 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 inside you, you. Mm. Yeah, yeah you literally actually do <laughs> yeah. and going without that for a month was really nice mm. it was, and yeah. i didn't feel pressure to have to get on the booze but i didn't really go out much and i know most social situations are ones that involve alcohol well here's the thing i think i was in a position where i could do it well and commit to it because i was away from all of my mates i was in nelson so i was mm. moved out of the city i'm usually in so there's just me and my family there essentially mm. and i I think that made it easier. Mike, no friends. Mike, my old Mikey, no mates up in Nelson. <laughs> Mikey, no mates. <laughs> You've got friends that are just far away. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's mm. true. Mm. Um, but they weren't there getting on the beers, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I think that was an advantage for me that actually helped me achieve it this year. Sarah, how did you find it? Well, I found it interesting in lots of different ways. I actually really, really liked dry January. I found it a lot easier actually just saying generally no, just across the board no not half in half out and I think that it's actually helped me now at the end of January I wasn't super excited about drinking and I have basically cut down majorly I do have to admit that I did uh drink on my at my brother's wedding I think we can give you a pass for yeah, a wedding. There, there was a pass <laughs> yeah, there's, a wedding there's only pass. so many brothers and I, that was actually also a, another little funny thing that I found out about myself during dry January that I don't know what it is but I definitely felt like because we're doing it as a team I needed to tell you oh guys I've got a wedding is it okay if I drink on that day and then uh, a couple of weeks after that I was in a bit of a spot and I didn't really want to drink soft drink and so I decided to drink you know light beer and I just ran it past the group before I did it it's like we're um, the accountability (laughs) team I was I realized how like seriously like love a little bit of honesty for me teamwork (laughs) makes the dream work doesn't it you know if you've got support if you've got yeah, people yeah, doing like, it with just you just letting you know i was 
anxious at the start of dry January. It seems unachievable. It doesn't seem like something I could yeah. be comfortable with. But actually, I settled into it after the second or third week. I was just like, this is fine. It's absolutely fine. And when like, you put like a when people know that you're not drinking, they just uh, accommodate that, you know. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you not find that? I found people very reactive to it, and oh, really? that, like I was judging them. I like, know that I've been guilty of that in the past of judging people not drinking. Like, oh, but usually that you. comes from like a space where you're they're having an emotion about their own drinking. Habit, yeah. So oh, it's nothing about me. You. Yeah. It was nothing about me, but I did notice people getting, you know, oh, like, oh I'm, you I'm, think I'm you're better than me. And I'm like, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> literally haven't said a thing. I've just told you that I'm not drinking. Yeah. But that's an yeah. interesting reflection on society, isn't it though? Because you're kind of expected to have a drink because everyone does it, you know? Do Present they though? Well, no. How did your bodies feel? Mm. Not um, drinking. Really good, actually. Yeah, it, it felt great. I've talked to you both about how I've just had all this energy in the evenings. You know, I've just yeah. been like staying up, just smashing out some tasks, doing some things, and then just like hopping off to bed, then sleeping like a boss. I've not needed as much sleep because you're not getting fake drunk sleep. As you're much. not actually sleeping. No, like... it's just being unconscious. Mm. My wife's a, 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 a medical persuasion and she explains it quite well. It's just you're just unconscious when you're drunk sleeping and that's not restorative sleep. It's no use to you whatsoever. You may as well be awake. But I've been sleeping less, but feeling more rested. So go figure. It was quite a short time frame. And well, I guess I've started to have a few drinks these days, like over the past couple of weeks. And I think I think what I liked about it, because I think I am quite a sensitive constitution. And I think what I liked about it was like, even if I have two glasses of wine in the evening, I definitely know and I wake up in the morning and I know it. And I think my mood you know just feels like it's really super regular it doesn't feel like it goes up and down clean and clear and that's really nice i have noticed that the hangovers since i've started you know having the odd night on the beers again especially last night the, the hangovers are worse now that i've done this yeah. time off the hangovers oh, really? are just like oh hey what's up yeah interesting Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> build your tolerance back yeah i know hey but it's, if i think about it it's a tolerance i've been building for oh, 20 years which is a long time it's a long time to be doing something like on the reek it's yeah it's it sounds really horrible if i do if i put those time frames i wonder on. how much everyone's probably doesn't even pay to think about but how many like how many alcohol how many beverages you've had, you've had mm. in your lifetime you know what well, another thing i noticed you know another thing i had heaps of when i wasn't drinking what Money. Hey. Oh, loads of it. I was just like, oh, oh, I love money. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. The hard, Here's a question for you. What was the hardest? What was the most challenging moment? When did you most want a drink? I actually just didn't have that. No? Yeah. I, I When I said no, uh, I'm not doing this. I didn't have that moment. Oh, I think maybe though one time I wanted a drink, but it was just because I was thirsty. <laughs> Just like, like for water. Like, I just wanted a, like, cold drink that was going to be, like, fizzy and stuff. Not sweet. Oh. Yeah. The hardest part for me was because whenever I go see my dad, we always have a beer together. Oh, that's mm. cute. And so when I went up, he'd be like, do you want well, he actually started buying kombucha. Oh, that's cute. He's, but now he's buying kombucha. And he's like, is this what you like? I'm like, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so is this sweet. what you drink now? I'm like, oh, yeah. But that was kind of a weird thing. I'm like, oh, what do I do? I like that connection with my dad. Mm. So, Did you get on the zero beers, on the alcohol freeze? Yeah, yeah, actually. we got on that too. And do you yeah, know what was real fan, crazy actually. for me? I felt a real moment of love and connection when... My brother who runs wine shops and is a real, a major wine snob, I had told him that like, well, maybe not snob, maybe that's not a good word, but he loves wine and he takes it very seriously. And 
was like, I'm not drinking. And he came home from the supermarket and he brought me a 12 pack of zero free beer. Aww. And I was like, that is the sweetest. Oh, and also decaf coffee because I was not drinking caffeine as well. Mm. And I was like, like, oh, that's yeah, really zero sweet. Just I found a zero wheat board. beer. Zero mm. percent wheat beer. I've been smashing a few of that. Yeah, I actually good. think that's super fine. I think what happened though was I got bored of the same drink all the, the time. The um, alcohol-free beers were um, a godsend for me because my hardest moment was whenever I was at the barbecue, and this is a big. I'm such a cliche right now, but I was just like, <laughs> whenever okay. I was barbecuing, I was just like, oh, oh, now, oh, now, now, tongs I, in now one I hand, now, yeah, I was like, what, the other. what do I hold in my left hand when I've got the tongs in the right? Yeah, so. All in all, a positive month. Totally, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And the hardest, the hardest part mm-hmm. of it has been trying to think of rhyming names for other months. Yeah. We've got oh. because there's dry July, so I might yeah. do dry July. There's um, March is next month, so I was thinking of parched March. Sober yeah. October. Yeah. Sober October. Oh, Very nice. Lovely. What about, I guess the listeners can like give us. I would love to hear yeah. any suggestions. May we're tr- having a hard time. Also, Mike, I think we've yeah. missed Name a really make. important point that, uh, or maybe a cool, funny thing that you talked about with me where do you remember how you were um naming all of the wines with uh alcohol free labels my mother-in-law was really into um, sparkling fosé sparkling (laughs) fosé yeah so and we found these um alcohol removed wines and my mother-in-law was always on them because she was having trouble every evening at dinner she was just i just want a glass of red wine to go with my dinner yeah the sparkling fosé was where it started that was a sparkling uh, alcohol free sparkling rosé And there was Chardon Knot. Ah! Um, there was um, Seven Non. Okay. Uh. There was Pinot. That was easy. Pinot. <laughs> Pin- just no. Pinot. Niraz. That was another one. Niraz for Shiraz. Because we call them near beers. The, um, oh, the right. Sorry, I didn't quite get that. It was a Niraz, but... yeah. Yeah. It had to be there. Oh, near. <laughs> It's nearly a res, but not quite. Yeah. Cabernet Nauvignon as well. <laughs> that was a blend. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, I really that. like sparkling fuzz. Sparkling I think that was... We peaked at that. I, yeah, I definitely think that is the, <laughs> a top notch. Hey, Sarah, who are you speaking to today? I'm speaking to Jess Quinn. Genocide. Michael Field. Mike, there's this this thing I've been meaning to tell you about and Okay. I just love it how we have a sponsor and it's Mooma. Oh Mooma. 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 Mooma.co.nz. I just saw on their Instagram that they have my favourite kindly deodorant back in, and I just had to ring you and tell you. Did you? Yeah. Their last batch sold out, which is totes no surprise, because it's 100% natural and rich with probiotics and magnesium. And you know what, Mike? Tell me. It actually works. <gasps> I know. Get out of here. Quick fire. Mm-hmm. Top four favourite things about kindly. Hmm. My top four things would have to be no aluminium, parabens, alcohol or nasties. Oh, lovely. It's made from only natural and organic ingredients. Wonderful. No stains. Perfect. And it is verified cruelty-free so you don't really stank. Wonderful. Stank-free inside and out. Yeah. In in the soul. And on your armhole. <laughs> Good. Do you know what the website address is, though? I do, but only in song form. N-O-O-M-A dot co dot N-Z. Yeah, M-O-O-M-A dot co dot N-Z. M-O-O-M-A dot co dot N-Z. Hey, Mike. Hi, yeah, what? Thanks for the chat. I really needed to get this off my chest, so I'm glad I could call. That's okay, but please stop calling me about Mooma. It's getting weird. Bye now. Bye.
Hey, I'm Jess. I kind of do a whole lot of different things, um, but I'm really passionate about helping people, um, I guess, overcome adversity and the challenges that they face in life and also helping people know that being different in your body is something that we should celebrate. Um, I lost my leg to cancer when I was a kid, so it's something that I learned when I was really young that, you know, I learned that I was different. And as I got older, I realized that everyone else was too. So I've kind of spent my life spreading a whole lot of different messages around those conversations and yeah here we are (laughs) so the first question is what is a lie that you have been told about having a body oh um (laughs) tricky question (laughs) i know i could we i I will, they are banger questions. They're just bangers. <laughs> They're just like these, straight these in there. Straight off the bat. I think something that I've not directly been told, but something that we've been fed is that bodies need to be perfect. And I know that's something that people are hearing a lot at the moment, but I think if we can talk about it a million times, it would be great. Plus one more. Because I think we've indirectly been told it our whole lives through what we see in the media. We walk past a billboard and it just blasts this image of perfection and I've never met anyone in my life that lives up to that and not that they should you know like it's not something we should have to desire to live up to and so yeah that's probably the biggest lie that I've been exposed to and I think that we're all exposed to I mean I think it's slowly changing yeah for sure when you say the word perfection the first thing that comes to my mind is what does that even mean totally and it's and it also seems to be if we're talking strictly on appearance it's like a trend and a personal thing as well. You know, some people want, like, I personally don't strive to look any particular way, but, you know, some people want this athletic body and some people want the Victoria's Secret body and, you know, and then all of a sudden it's trendy to put fillers in your butt and I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a shame that I think that has been projected. But you're right. I don't even know. I don't know what would happen if I googled the word perfection. I don't actually know what comes up. But um, how you define that is beyond me. But I think we have been led to believe, especially women, that we do need to look somewhat perfect and any flaws are kind of not cool and not beautiful and not accepted and they make you different therefore we want to get rid of them which is interesting because I feel like points of difference are super cool (laughs) you know and totally I don't know for me I gravitate towards someone who authentically is themselves or Mm. expresses Mm. themselves in a way that is you know, unique to them or has their own unique voice. It's kind of a bummer if we sort of Mm. go about trying to erase that difference. I agree. And I mean, times have been beginning to change, which is awesome. But if you look in the last 10, 20 years and further back as a whole, there there is this kind of cookie cutter mold that is blasted everywhere that everyone is really aware of what that looks like. And if you're outside of that, you're outside of the normal standards of beauty or whatever it might be. But the funny part is, is it's such a trend to chase individuality and no one at school wants to be exactly like their friend. Like everyone wants this, like, you know, it's cool to be different than when you are different visually, it's not cool to be different, you know? It's like, you can't can't win. You're damned (laughs) if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, totally. (laughs) My next question is, what is one of the coolest things about being in your body? There's lots of cool things. Um, (laughs) It's pretty cool that I can interchange my legs. That is so cool. (laughs) And it's funny, that's something that's actually come with perspective because as a kid and growing up and up until recent times, it was so annoying that if I was going across the road and a car was going to hit me, I literally could not run out of the way unless I had my blade on. So like, 
the fact that I have to change my legs to do different things is super frustrating. But at the same time, it's so cool that I have these kind of superpowers and I have the ability to kind of fill that gap with that I have missing with whatever I want, which is kind of fun. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool being in my body in that sense. And I think also in more of a probably deeper level, it's quite cool being in my body because I got forced at a really young age to, I guess, come to terms with that my body was different from the norms that we were just talking about. And I'm really lucky in the sense that I was forced to face that. It doesn't mean I have this perfect body image all the time. I don't think anyone does, but I was forced to kind of face that really young. And so without being in the body that I kind of ended up with, it wasn't the body that I was born with, but the body that I ended up with, um, I wouldn't have learned all those things. So it's pretty cool being in my body because of that. That's awesome. It's cool what you said about how fun it is around having the opportunity to interchange uh, Mm. your legs. Uh, I remember watching a talk by Amy Mullins. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, we're quite friendly, actually. She's awesome. She's so cool. And I loved how she um, talked about how you can use that space for opportunity and creativity. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so cool. Yeah, it's actually um, something I ran with during uni I studied fashion for three years and my third year yeah it was awesome and then for my postgrad I ended up doing fashion and product design and I ended up making fashion prosthetics so I did 3d printed prosthetic legs that basically my idea behind it was kind of like how people have the ability to tattoo their skin because they want something unique on their body whereas you know I have this ability to fill the gap that I have left and often um, amputees don't have a connection with their body part because it's not it's just plastic and flesh it's not really you know it's your own but it's not really to create a piece you know there's a few companies around the world that are doing something similar now and you know, they create pieces for a dude who loves motorbiking. So it's all based yeah, on like, I've, a motorbike. I follow those guys, a few of them on, on Instagram, actually. And I love I love seeing the new ideas that come yeah, up. Yeah, it's really cool. How they reflect someone's personality is super yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. It's really cool. Um, yeah, so my body's pretty cool, pretty unique. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's super awesome. So the next question is a little more tricky, but it is... What is a difficult experience that you've had in your body and then how you've gone about managing through that? I mean, my life has been a series of difficult um, experiences in my body and I think it's kind of where I am now and I'm sure I'll have more of them throughout my life, but it's got me to where I am now because I have had all these experiences and I've kind of documented those. But I guess starting from the start, my biggest difficulty was throughout my teens. So it was about probably three or four years after losing my leg and I was only nine when I lost my leg. So I kind of just wanted to get back into life and kids are so resilient and naive that I just, you know, jumped back in and I was totally cool. And then it wasn't until I got to my teens that it kind of hit me what I'd gone through. And not only that, I was confronted with visual differences in terms of that I, you know, now had one leg and that was something that I had to work through. That was a really tough time in my body. It was probably about two years. Um, I didn't wear anything shorter than my knee for eight years. So from losing my leg up until I was probably in my last year of high school, I kind of hid it away. Yeah, it was a massive process and it's something I kind of just had to work through myself, I think. I mm-hmm. I don't know what got me out of it, to be honest, except I just mm-hmm. kind of rode the wave. And I think for me, it was kind of somewhat a process of grief and just kind of going through mm-hmm. what I needed to go through. And I one day kind of just realized I'm the only person that's holding myself back. I can either make the most out of my life or I could sit here and 
dwell on the things that I can't change. And I decided obviously to make the most out of it. So yeah, I decided to just try on being confident in my skin and I rocked some shorts and it was horribly uncomfortable <laughs> and I, um, I, I enjoyed it. It was very liberating, but it was also very uncomfortable, but it's got me to where I am now. And then I've had millions of moments both physical and emotional being comfortable in my skin I mean or in my body I'm constantly faced with physical challenges um I'm someone who likes to push my own limits a lot so setting myself a goal of running 10ks in one year was a little bit dramatic when I think I finished on about 600 meters but I tried dancing with the stars that was a whole another battle in itself so yeah there's been forever challenges and something that I've learned that's really kind of fascinating and quite cool is that I'm going to have these all throughout my life because every moment that I push my, put myself outside of my comfort zone, I'm having to level up to reach that kind of degree of comfort or that degree of discomfort. Um, and it's just something, and I think everyone can apply this in their own life, and it's just not being scared of that uncomfortable zone. A hundred percent. I guess for myself, because uh, I had an operation when I was eight months old, which ended up mm. being a mis- med- medical misadventure. And right. so um, it affected my legs. And so I now walk with a limp. And right. so I think that when you do, like for me anyway, I think and just re- like listening to what you're talking mm. about here, I think for people who have had these kinds of experiences in their body that may be a little more extreme <laughs> than, mm. than your average Joe or whatever, you have to face that discomfort mm. Totally. And you have to choose how you roll with that discomfort. But I think mm-hmm. like what you're saying is that discomfort that you have faced, it's fucking kind of amazing because mm-hmm. you then can keep doing that and you can ke- mm-hmm. keep like facing that discomfort and, you know, doing things like I'm not afraid of this thing or this thing or this thing whereas totally. if you haven't had to face that discomfort I wonder whether you know your life trajectory might be a little avoidant of that discomfort yeah. potentially I don't I know agree. I mean that's just a just a thought that comes out of my brain right now no, that's but, something I, yeah. I think about and I speak about a lot because you know I consider myself grateful to have gone what I went through because it has given me a different mindset and yeah you'd be the same and, and a lot of people who face adversity are really similar in that sense and something one of my favorite quotes is play the play the hand you were dealt as if it was the hand that you wanted and I think that that's really awesome and that's kind of how I live my life I'm like I love having one leg it's awesome and I do but you know if you you've got to play your cards how you how you kind of want you know we often don't get chosen to get to choose the cards that we get dealt but it's how you play so I think it's it's just interesting and I think you know, these narratives around bodies and how, you know, we're meant to all strive for what you're talking about before around perfection and all of this and all mm-hmm. of that. It's like you miss out on all of this stuff mm-hmm. when we're only looking for perfection, you know, totally. and there's so much cool shit. And not even just perfection, like I, something I'm because I'm kind of have become a voice in this body image conversation, yeah, which have, I yeah. love. Yeah. But I also want to keep reminding people that whether your hashtag I love and showing all your imperfections or you're showing a photo of you completely photoshopped looking perfect either way you're still focusing on your body you know you're still focusing on what you look like 
when you know imagine what you could put that energy into elsewhere in your life that isn't yeah, about your parents and it's a tricky thing um and I've been thinking about that a lot recently with this podcast and like how I'm rolling with Instagram and stuff because I'm sharing a lot of people just who are like cause I'm really into self-expression and like I think mm. you must be too if you you know you studied fashion mm. and and looking at how you creatively work with your prosthetic and things like that like mm. re- representing mm. yourself and expressing yourself in in visual ways can be a really important and cool thing but then Mm. there is kind of this problematic area that you get into where we can be really body positive and we can show people doing all of these things but we are still participating in that narrative because it's still centered on the body yeah and that's like fuck um, you know, yeah. I'm a little bit like, fuck, how do I, <laughs> what do I do with that? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a hard one to bridge, but I also think the more there are people who are needing to hear things like this and they just, you know, whether we like it or not, people are caught up in their appearance and in their bodies. Therefore, if we can feed them the right kind of information, then that's amazing. So I think it's kind of a stepping stone, but keeping that narrative in there. Because, I mean, it's great to take care of your appearance and to feel amazing and yeah. whatever that means for and you. express it's yourself and, you, yeah. and who you are and how you feel. Like, in many ways, I see fashion as a way of, you know, almost like an outward expression of who you feel inside, mm. you know. Totally. So mm-hmm. that it can, be, it can be really cool. But, yeah, I reckon maybe that might be something like with – Instagram and stuff that I might end up sort of being a bit more vocal about, you know, like mm. our stance mm. on that so that yeah. when people do see pictures of people's bodies that they understand that this is because it's about self-expression and about yeah. feeling proud and who you are and all those sorts of things, not just, totally. ugh, you know, participating in that narrative. But yeah. 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 How do you yeah. sort of work with that? Because it is a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? self-expression well just the um the kind of or the narrative the narrative like where you know you're sharing your body you're like people are engaging in your body but then there's also that kind of offshoot of objectification and I'm just really I pretty much just do posts on on what I just said to make it really clear that it's not too much about that and I and I talk about a lot of things body image in the last six months has been become my main theme since kind of my TED talk and the petition and things like that but I talk a lot about adversity as well so I either post about my challenges in the gym or something that I learned about my prosthetic today or whatever it is so it's not always um just on the body um which is really cool and the body's kind of become my I guess, second main theme, which is really awesome. And I I like talking about it and I like talking about helping people, A, not focus on the body, but also know that difference, different is okay and difference welcome and celebrated. So I guess I'm just trying to be across the whole narrative and I try post myself in a raw light I guess um yeah I've definitely picked that up so um what are you most proud of as a person I think probably where I've gotten myself to I think um as a kid obviously I mentioned earlier I struggled quite a lot and I probably wouldn't have been able to see I mean, you can never see the end of the path right so to kind of be be now using my story in a in a positive manner to kind of help other people is really awesome and more than just helping other people it's obviously helped me as well so um yeah I'm pretty proud of that Um, yeah and there's been lots of little moments in my life that give me a little like holy shit I just did that dancing with stars being probably my proudest moment of my life which was awesome 
Yeah, I mean, I initially said no to doing that show because I didn't think I'd physically be able to dance, literally because of my leg. And I'm the kind of person that when I go to a challenge, I'm realizing that I'm basically saying yes because I can't um, actually say no to anything. <laughs> um, and especially when it's a challenge, I can't be like, oh, no, I can't do that for long. I'm like, oh, shit, now I have to do it. Everybody get out of my way <laughs> about literally. to be on Dancing of the Stars. I know. Deal and so it. it was like that moment. And then to come third and also prove to myself every week, you know, we got better and better and there was challenges every single week, like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that, but we end up doing it. It was just really awesome. So I was really proud of that and to do all of that, raising money for child cancer, which is obviously so close to home for me. That was, yeah, a very proud moment in my life. Yeah, I think it's been all those, that was a big moment, but there's been all those little moments like that where I've thought I can't do something or being told I'll struggle to do something and I end up doing it. I think, I guess, everything I'm saying right now, it just comes down to the mindset that I've been able to create. Even the situation that I was put in could have easily given me a really bad mindset. So that's something that I celebrate the most within me and I try to help other people find that within them. That's really cool. What was the most tricky dance move for you there was a dance it was more of a dance style so the jive is a dance style that um johnny my partner and i avoided forever not because we were hoping we got eliminated before we had to do it obviously we wanted to be there till the end which we were but more we were hoping a new dance style might be created in the space of doing the show that we would never have to do a jive because doing a jive with um one leg's quite quite nobly um so the jive is basically a really quick, a really fast dance, up and down, hopping on the spot, but having to look cool and coordinated and not let your eyes <laughs> fly while you do it. Yeah. And initially I was like, well, I've got a blade. Like I've got a spring for a foot. Like that's bouncy. This is going to be great. But the problem with having a spring for a foot is I can't actually control it. So it's like, it pings me up and I don't know when I'm coming back down. That's dramatic, but okay. it's kind of like that or like which direction I'm going in. So yeah, we put off doing the jive and then we got the jive the week before the finale, which was obviously quite scary because we didn't want to be knocked out the week before the finale. And we were training, I mean, on average, we were usually training about six to eight hours a day, but I think that week we did Whoa. like... Yeah, it was a lot of training. And yeah, night before it, I was like, this is not going to go well for me. And then we went out and did it and we got our first nines and it was the best dance of the season for us. So I love it. I know. I think we got top of the leaderboard and it was crazy. So it was just that moment again where I was like, holy shit, I did that. But it took a lot of work and I, yeah, I lost a lot of weight that week. I think driving every single day for hours is a lot of movement. Wow. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> for like, when are you going to be an Olympic athlete or something? Like, <laughs> what's next, Jess? <laughs> it was my, it was part of the plan at the beginning. I thought maybe I could get back into running, but yeah. um, I think right now I've got enough on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow Um, what dance uh, routine did you kind of love the most um was it that one in the end like if you asked me what were my favorite moment and my favorite dance in the show it ended up being the jive and I think because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast I'm someone who I thrive off challenges you know I thrive off being told I can't do something and then finding a way to do it so I did love that but and the pressure when you have to learn a dance within five days and you're literally you don't have an option because you're about to go on live TV. It's, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but there was one dance style I hated. It was the quick step. Absolutely hated that week. But apart from that, I actually, through the whole process, found a love for dancing. And I'm literally actually just before I jumped on this podcast was messaging Johnny about doing some more lessons in the future because I want to get back into dancing. Yeah, so I loved all of it. And I 
I didn't think I'd like the ballroom styles because they look slow and a bit fuddy-duddy, but I loved like that really like slow, like having to hold like your posture in like a beautiful way. It was amazing. So um, kind of feels like yeah, you might have found it. your calling or something. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, cool. And so the next question that I have for you is how can we be allies for each other in this world? I think we all just need to kind of support each other more. And that sounded really basic, but it's kind of true. <laughs> um, I read something a while ago and it's, I can't, I'm not going to recite it properly because I can't remember what it was saying, but the context of what they were talking about was basically if Rihanna brings out a new um, kind of clothing line or Kim Kardashian does something or Kanye West or whatever, we're the first to reshare it and we repost it and we're like, well, look at this new thing they've brought out. But like, do we do the same for the people in our community and our friends who maybe don't have like a big name behind them, but they're trying to create change and they're trying to do something. Not saying Kim Kardashian is creating change, but I'm just saying, you know, like <laughs> we're really quick to celebrate people in the spotlight, but not necessarily like support the locals, you know? So I think that's something we can do to be allies. I think also we can tastefully call out people who are doing wrong and that's something I'm not shy of doing um and I, I think it's about being tasteful about it you know not letting things slide I think in 2019 people have gotten really good at that I'm also cautious of people are really quick to just hate on anyone and there's this whole cancel culture which I hate but I think you know we can support each other by someone like myself or you for example who have a voice and they're happy to use their voice to kind of use your voice for someone else who's not brave enough or not strong enough or doesn't feel ready to use theirs because you know you kind of I believe you kind of get your voice at different stages and for different things you know so backing those people who don't right now feel like using their voice I guess I think that's the best way we could support each other and becoming allies and yeah just kind of helping everyone with everyone's message and meaning in life and That's yeah awesome. that kind of makes me think when you say that you have obviously been on a personal journey in your life and in your body but you have chosen to take a path of being quite vocal and upfront about your body how did you get to that point like how did you how did you get there I literally tripped and fell into it okay um, <laughs> no I I've always been really open about what I went through I think I don't really know why I think in hindsight what my some of the things that I that happened as a result of my cancer were quite unique so I've always kind of been really open even if it's just talking with other doctors about what I went through so I'm kind of like used to talking about it and then I'm just naturally quite a confident person in that sense so when people at school or in the streets or whatever would ask I'm not I wouldn't shy away from telling them what I'd been through you know so I think I've always had that kind of voice in that in that way and I've always wanted to you know even from a young age I was kind of mentoring other kids who were going to be going through the same thing I've always wanted to kind of help them in that sense and then I towards I think it was about three years ago now I didn't have any followers on Instagram or anything like that and this is when I was just working after uni and I did a photo shoot a because I wanted to get a modeling agency I was I was really fed up with how people were represented in the media and the lack of diversity so I thought maybe I could get a photo shoot and show people how I think we should represent diverse bodies in the media and I also just wanted to do a photo shoot for fun my blade's pretty cool looking and me and my friend um he could 
he's a photographer and we thought it'd be kind of fun to just get some cool shots. And I put it on Instagram to my, I think I had about a thousand followers of family and friends. And a week later it went completely viral. I got about 10,000 followers overnight and 70,000 within three months and three years later, nearly at 200,000. So it's been a pretty crazy journey, but yeah, it's something that I definitely fell into in that sense. I didn't try to build a platform of any kind. It just kind of happened. And then through, I think hearing the, I mean, I've obviously done a lot of interviews right at that time, but also throughout ever so over the last three years and kind of hearing what people like hearing from my story, um, I gave me um, more of a voice about what to talk about. And then you know, I still get this now where I'll talk about something and I'm like, oh, no one's going to care about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because I kind of, I kind of forget that there's all these people listening, like half the time I'm like, oh, just my friends and family are going to see this. And then seeing the response that these things that are just like mundane things in my life or, I don't know, little, little things that I think that I'm the only, you know, the only one that goes through and then everyone comes back like, oh my God, I do that too. So it's just kind of like given me that voice, I guess, and I've gotten used to having, having that voice. And now I, I think I'm at a point where I'm, I've reflected a lot and I'm very grateful to have that platform. So I want to be, um, I guess, smart about how I channel that voice. So, awesome. yeah. That's really cool. Into the bin. Hi, Jess. Um, <laughs> it's good to be back. So now it's time for Into the Bin, where you get to chuck a word into the bin that you just think needs to get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. What would that word be? Is it really bad that I have so many words in my head? No, <laughs> no, it's not bad at all. You've got a backlog. But I'm probably going to be a little bit safe with it. And I think the word can't is a word that I would like to get rid of. Okay, can't. Into the bin. <laughs> so give us a bit of reasoning behind yeah. why you think can't. I think it's something that I chucked out of my life a really long time ago. And it's something that I've learned a lot from not saying I can't do something. We were talking about it a little bit earlier and me doing Dancing with the Stars, for example, was an example of that. I said I couldn't do it and then I because I didn't think I'd physically be able to. And then I realized now that I've said that I can't do it, I have to do it because I'm both stubborn and overly determined. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I feel like I want to do like and, a round of applause or like a Yeah, let's do a round yeah, of applause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've also learned throughout my life every time that I've said that I can't do something it's worked out to be something amazing even if it's something my goal was to do 10 kilometers and I got to about 600 meters so it's fair to say that I still can't run um but I learned a whole lot through that process yeah um and I don't you know I kind of often talk about the fact that I didn't fail that because I gave it a shot so yeah I think the word can't needs to go because a lot of people say they can't do something but I think it's just a mindset not an actual fact yeah it stops you before you can even start like even though Totally. Did, well, not only did you did six hundred meters. That's, that's awesome. Like, yeah, it's that, awesome. It's a loss of an opportunity, and it can't is quite like to say you can't is it's safe, you know, to say yeah. oh I can't do that. It's a really safe space to be in, but to say you can or to try even is an unsafe space, and it's kind of a like cool brave space where you learn mm. lots of stuff. Mm. <laughs> I totally agree. You know, I can only run 600 meters now, but if I had it, if I'd listened to that voice in my, said, in my head that said that I couldn't do it, 
then I wouldn't be able to run 600 meters, you know? So yeah, exactly. I'd and learn all the things nothing. that come with that. And I'd never would have actually got a running blade and had exactly. I not got a running blade, it probably wouldn't be right here right now. So. Potentially, like, you might have hung out with cool people at the time who were supporting you in your journey that became important yeah. people to you when you went through that moment where you made that decision as well. So it's like there oh, are yeah. so many things about those moments and those choices that aren't just about the execution of it or whatever, yeah. you know? The journey, right? Yeah, the journey. Yeah. It's all in the journey. <laughs> I've made so many mistakes. Like I'm doing I'm trying I'm getting back into printmaking at the moment. And, oh cool. Um the mistakes are where I find the magic. Like yeah. yeah. Totally. And how many times do you hear people say that, right? Like we need to listen to all that. That's funny. Eh? I feel like the music that I used to make was um, just like me curating moments that were like discoveries, you know, like yeah. they were just cool little discoveries that I loved. And it was like, totally. you just put those all together and it becomes yeah. a beautiful thing. But totally. yeah. Okay. Can't. I'm into that. I really want to stick that in the, in the bin a lot. <laughs> yeah. oh my God, Let's get it out of here. do a swear. Yeah. <laughs> in the bin into the bin <laughs> love that awesome cool stuff now we get to talk about something that you just absolutely freaking love right now what what are you vibing on oh so many things one thing comes to mind it's a person and i saw so recently there's a story behind it recently just i've been injured for about six months and i've just got back into the gym and i'm on a very strict rehab schedule which includes 45 minutes of sitting on a bike which is so boring oh, um I and so you. i was like <laughs> bring up a ted talk because i do love ted talks and i love mm. podcasts so i i wanted to kind of be at the gym and fuel my mind as well i'm kind of sitting on a butt fueling my body and I came across um Brene Brown and you probably maybe are familiar with her yes. um and I have just become obsessed with her over the past three days and I've listened to every single one of her talks and I'm about to order her books because she's and I had heard of her before but I hadn't like really dived into her work and I watched her Netflix um documentary or her Netflix which basically is her talk and she's just so fascinating and she actually talks a lot about what we were just talking about with the word can't and um, she talks, she's basically a vulnerability and shame expert. She spent years researching the idea of vulnerability and shame. And I'm also a speaker myself and I'm quite new to it. So her as a speaker is like my goals, but also her words of wisdom and her little nuggets of information are amazing. And, you know, she talks about a lot about critics and in, in people's lives and about how, she often refers to like the arena being your vulnerable space and the space where, you know, you are kind of scared to walk into and, mm. but we can't grow in life if we don't step into that arena. And then she often goes on to talk about how critics are very quick to judge when you're in that arena, cause you've put yourself in your vulnerable space. Mm. But she's got this rule where she doesn't take on anyone's criticism unless they've been in the arena themselves because, you know, Often the people in the Facebook comments are the people who don't people say my dancing was terrible and dancing with the stars. They're probably never going to go dance on national TV. You know? no. so, it's like, so spending their time writing stupid comments on Instagram. <laughs> totally. So it's just that idea that you kind of, yeah, got to step outside your comfort zone in life and ignore the critics. And we actually, she says to reserve a seat for the critics because, um, you need them to fuel your fire. That's so, so yeah, boss. I'm loving her. Yeah. I just think she's absolutely incredible in everything that she says. Yeah. And it fits really in everyone's life, which is cool. Yeah. That's cool. I don't actually know her. So where is she from? She's American. 
Texas? Yeah, she's got a really, she's got a strong accent. I just watched her Netflix series. Oh, sorry, her Netflix show. It's amazing. Is that like a comedy or? No, no, no. She's kind of like a She's funny, though. She is funny. She is, yeah. She is Uh, She's she's a, a vulnerability and shame uh, research researcher, uh, but yep. she's managed to take her research and make very approachable and well-written books that I think help activate people into reflecting on their own lives and how they deal with mm. those kinds of emotions. I think. Yeah, yeah. I want to read her books. She's got one called Daring Greatly, which I think is one of the well-known ones. Yep. And I've just started reading her book about leadership, actually, which is quite oh, cool. cool. You were yeah. in there. Yeah, I'm in there. there. i got to yeah. get up Oh, with cool. That. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, I've got it on my Kindle. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, yeah, no, she's awesome. I really like Brene Brown, and I think she definitely makes me – every time I kind of go into, like, reading her stuff or listening to her talk, I always – have a moment of like reflection or rethink and I'm I'm like oh am I making my feel my myself feel uncomfortable sometimes am I avoiding vulnerability you know how am I dealing with my feelings of shame right now and you know she always kind of makes me boss up a little bit more I think totally and I think it's not like you know a lot of speakers have this like massive story and but everything she talks about she doesn't have this big story she's just like so knowledgeable on what she talks about and so she relates it into such everyday life whether it's something that a conversation she's had with her husband and you know other people in the audience can easily relate to that because they've probably experienced the same thing or with her children or her career yeah awesome cool do you have um do you have a favorite podcast of hers like does she have a podcast or do you have a favorite episode or she just writes books and yeah i think most of her stuff i've watched i've watched her She's done two TED Talks. I've watched one of them. Her Netflix is the best, like her Netflix talk. Um, and she's also, I'm about to go tonight actually and watch, she did a Super Soulful with Oprah. So oh, yeah. The yeah. dream. The I know, it's on YouTube, but <laughs> I assume it's on podcast as well. She's awesome. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Yeah, we should all read her books I and will. get in the arena. I'm a get amongst it. <laughs> We all need to get in the arena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us, Jess. Thank you. Yeah, I've it's loved been amazing. It. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate your time and yeah, I really enjoyed no chatting worries. with you. No, it's been awesome. I love what you guys are doing. While Mike's headed, headed out for a pee, thank you for <laughs> listening to Cool Bodies Club. Again, if you love what we do and what we do is... I think it's pretty good, you it's know. Good. I, think, good. I feel good about it. Um, please, 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 please head over to coolbodies.club slash donate. Hit the button and give us whatever you can afford, uh, ideally on a monthly basis. That would be super cool. Uh, if you can't give cash, be an ally by subscribing, leaving a review, telling your friends, so even more people can join that club. Whoop, whoop. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Cool Bodies Club, on Twitter at Cool Bodies Club, or by emailing hi at coolbodies.club. <laughs> That's just H, right? Hi. It's not like hi with lots of eyes. Even though that would be cute, but it's that not cute. I like H-I. the way people say Hi. Actually, I do that because of you. Do you? Yeah. Oh, babe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you.